Hey everybody, James Tiley, Johnny Fry, we're back. Part two, you know, we're going to talk to uh, the writers of this article that I'm, this is, this is the one I like, I'm familiar with um, what we're going to talk about in Embedded Finance. So Johnny brought along Fiona and Laura, who contributed to this uh, Digital Bytes newsletter. Right, Johnny, bring them on. Certainly, Will. Thanks, James. Um, it's Embedded Finance, so I hope you're not in your bed while we talk about this, but would, nothing would surprise you. But Fiona and Laura, welcome to uh, welcome to the show and interested because embedded finance is something which we kind of know a little bit about. But I have to be honest, I, I can't believe that it's potentially going to be as big as you say it's going to be a six trillion dollar market within a couple of years. But before we get stuck into that, um, would you mind, um, you know, perhaps just give a bit of an overview to what the two of you do at CMS? Obviously, CMS is a, is a very big lawyer. Um, but uh, Fiona, you're based up in sunny Scotland, and Laura, I think you're down in um, down in Blightyland, down in London. Is that right? That's right, Johnny. Um, so, hi everyone. My name's Fiona Henderson. I'm a partner in the banking team at CMS, and I'm I'm based up in Aberdeen in in Scotland. Um, so my my specialty is tech finance and fintech, and particularly embedded finance um, which has really grown in the in the last couple of years and it's it's grown so much that we've built a specialist embedded finance industry team and Laura and I are part of that team leading the charge for all things embedded finance. Fantastic fantastic and Laura you've not been at CMS for quite so long as Fiona because Fiona's um you've been there 10 years haven't you Fiona you said it just before we came on the right that's right that's right very loyal very loyal laura how long you been there um i've been at cms for um coming up to two years now so definitely not waving the flag for as long as fiona (laughs) (laughs) but you'll do 10 you'll do 10 (laughs) of course i have to beat her (laughs) (laughs) look ladies I'm, i'm i'm intrigued because i understand cms has is the only law firm in london um, that has a, a dedicated team to embedded finance. Well, presumably that's because the, you see some really interesting opportunities and, you know, clients are looking more and more at this, as, especially non-financial. Perhaps you could start off explaining what embedded finance is and, and why, as your article says, it's beginning to take centre stage. Yes, of course. So I think that's a great question to start with. What really is this buzzword, embedded finance? Um, so to people that aren't in the industry, I usually use buy now, pay later as an example. So if you're a shopaholic like me, you go online to buy a dress, you add that to your basket, and at the online checkout, you select the buy now, pay later option, and then you continue with the checkout process. You're then paying for the, um, the dress over a course of a set number of repayment periods. But to put that into a more technical description, so a dictionary style definition, you could say that embedded finance is the availability of financial products integrated into a company's infrastructure provided by non-financial institutions and capitalized by traditional banks, and it's provided at the point of customer need. So there's a few well, key I think things. I, I think I prefer your definition, talking about buying, buying dresses and paying for it later. That, that sounded very legal and very wordy, the other definition. <laughs> it's always good to have two options. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, flipping lawyers. Here we go. Here we go. Well, OK, we all know buy now, pay later. But but what other, you know, and Klarna have been massively successful, obviously, with this. 
Well, what are the other examples that you're beginning to see embedded finance in? Um, so, I mean, where to start? There's, there's, there's so many, and 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 part of, um, part of their appeal and part of their feature is that you you might not even notice them. Um, lots of people refer instead of embedded finance to invisible finance or frictionless finance, and it's all it's all words used to describe the same the same type of of, of concept. But to give a, a couple of examples, um, so B two B buy now pay later is uh, a real area of growth. If you think about the the cash flow pressures on businesses, and an example of a company providing that would be Hakodo in the UK and Europe, and I'd say it's probably um, been a tougher nut to crack compared to um, B to C buy now pay later. Thinking about you know the likes of Klarna etc. Um, if you're you know underwriting um, as between consumers and corporates. And B2B, B2C buy now, pay later. So you're buying a dress online. You already had your customer journey online already in terms of your, your e-commerce industry. So I, I think B2B is probably going to be a big area of growth in terms of buy now, pay later offerings. I'd say another example would be revenue-based finance. Um, so an example would be Libris who've got um, a, a broad geographical offering and um, revenue-based lending products are targeted at so SMEs, growing SMEs, um, early stage businesses. Customers get an initial cash amount advanced and then the repayment is on the basis of a percentage of their generated revenue. So the idea is that the customer pays when they get paid to allow a certain amount of flexibility in terms of their cash position okay so so not dissimilar to factoring in terms of an alternative source of finance but based on revenue rather than if you like an invoice that has already been generated uh, that's right and i'd say a lot of these products they're not the, the the kind of core of the product might might not itself be be novel but it's the application of technology in the underwriting process or it's the the quick turnaround times due to the digitization of um, onboarding and providing the product or just where the product is provided in the customer journey you're you're no longer going to the bank necessarily when you need when you need a loan you know the taking on loans or credit or finance when you need it is is popping up in you know customer journeys that that wouldn't necessarily be associated with finance in the traditional sense. Okay, and it's Going interesting. In, in your article, you know, you you talk about most of the companies you're mentioning. Um, you've already mentioned, um, I think, great name. Have I, from, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so I apologize. Hokodo. 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 Um, well, you know, not not a not a household name. Liberus, Uncapped, Bloom. These are not banks, are they? These are these are. But they're moving into what traditionally would have been the banking sector, i.e. helping to oil the wheels of commerce and provide sort of finance and what have you. So you've got new businesses basically helping companies to um, in that perennial issue with SMEs of, of cash flow. Yes, absolutely. And you could even have, you know, fintechs funding fintechs, uh, really, um, which which is interesting. Um, you know, the, the other side of it is the large tech companies in terms of, you know, Apple, 
and Amazon and what they're what they're offering um, offering their existing customer base um, already, if, uh, considering their wide distribution channel and loyal customers already um, signed up. I think it, it'll be interesting to see um, how that how that expands and and if the the big players you know become become bigger. Okay, so Apple as an example, um, would you would you put the recent success or the recent their, their cash deposit offering where they've managed to raise over ten billion in four or five months? Um, is that a type of embedded finance product that you're, you're referring to there? So their their, their Apple Pay Later um, product is 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 definitely an example of of a of an embedded finance product in terms of its in terms of its integration. So um, and they've obviously got Apple Pay as well. So an example of them looking to provide, you know, numerous integrated products to 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 their to their customers, which I think we'll see more of from from the bigger players. And right. Apple are interesting as well because they, with their Apple Pay Later product, I think they're looking at the um, the data from their Apple customers in terms of um, the credit and underwriting checks that they're doing. Right. Right. Okay. So they they can they know they know the credit history of their customers presumably. So. So, so surely a good one would must be the telecom companies. You know, they, you know, they they know who pays their phone bills or mobile phones or cell phones, as James would call them, on time. So that could be another one that we could see the mobile phone companies getting involved in, Sarah, presumably. I think the you know the importance of and the value of data is is definitely you know it's driving a number of aspects. But you know the, the more the more data there is, and the the more you can apply you know an algorithm. Um, or you can, you know, you can run it through a bit of tech. Then the potential is that you can be offering solutions that might not have been made available before in terms of, you know, sophisticated, um, you know, alternative options for for finance to those that that might have been um, unable to get them via traditional means, or just integrating them into, you know, a consumer journey such as e-commerce, as by now Paylater has has very successfully done. Okay, and and obviously, you know, here on the show, we we're, we're trying to highlight examples for listeners all over the world of how um, blockchain technology and or digital assets are being used. And 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 you you mentioned earlier on that it's the combination of some of the different technologies. It might be blockchain, it might be AI, might be big data, might be machine learning. But those different technologies are beginning to be used in this embedded finance sector, from what you said. Exactly, and and joining those technologies as well um, with the embedded finance firms and their capabilities um, just demonstrates that there's the potential for further growth. So um, there's discussions about how blockchain can be used further in um, in um, providing the, the the underlying kind of credit checks and, and things for customers. So it definitely definitely is going to assist with providing products quickly. Okay, and and is there any geo? I know you're both based here in the UK, but is there any um, other jurisdictions where you're seeing interest from customers on on a global basis with embedded finance like this? Yes, absolutely. So it's not embedded finance isn't just um, restricted to the UK. Uh, embedded finance is getting everywhere. To be honest, um, it, it it depends to, on the regulatory landscape. Um, speaking from a lawyer's perspective, of course, oh, no. uh, <laughs> in terms of um, what products can be offered, um, just because the regulatory um, requirements across across countries differ. Um, but we are seeing um, embedded finance firms expand 
um, into multiple jurisdictions. So Hokodo, like Fiona mentioned, isn't just located in the UK. They they provide um, their offerings um, to all different places in Europe. Um, and there's also untapped markets. So, for example, um, Canada recently changed its laws so that merchants in most provinces can charge consumers um, fees for credit card payments instead of the merchants being charged those fees themselves. So there's a possibility that things like that might offer an opportunity for embedded finance firms to expand into those um, areas. Blimey, if they can generate the sort of fees that MasterCard and Visa can, well, I think they're operating on a 40% profit margin. So they, uh, there must be some opportunities there to someone to come and undercut and provide some even more competitive, which would be good for consumers. Exactly. Yeah. James, you've been very quiet. So I hope you haven't fallen asleep in your embedded finance today. No, but I feel old now. I'm getting old. <laughs> we are, James. <laughs> so I was going to say, I got introduced to, and and I do more user-friendly, buy now, pay later. My son and his girlfriend are buying everything on Klarna. And uh, I think another one is called Catapult over here. But so he introduced me to this idea. And, you know, being who I am, I was immediately like, well, wait a minute. What's the interest rate? What is, you know, how does it affect your credit? And I bought one or two things with Klarna, you know, buy here, buy now, pay later. So when I was reading the article, though, I was it, it did reintroduce. This is the future of companies becoming banks, for lack of a better term, I would say. Do you guys are you aware of how is that risk? being accepted with companies that are they asking you almost for legal advice on if they should like is the risk so much more because in in my limited knowledge over here in the u.s they're not checking credit scores or if they are they're doing it differently So I'd say without without um, without commenting on a specific product, um, certainly providing um, products to consumers is um, is more risky from a from a regulatory perspective because it's unrightly so more tightly regulated. And I think just generally speaking, there is a tension between how quickly things can be done, um, and you know the term frictionless finance. Um, it, it is one that you know we we've discussed before. You know how how much friction should there be in uh, a journey which which ultimately you know is providing a financial product to a consumer, um, and and the, the you know the USP of these products is is their speed, and and you know the terms as against you know, the current kind of prevailing interest rates and cost of living crisis. Um, you know these these products can be. Um, very um, appealing to consumers. So it's really how those how those risks are balanced between speed and innovation and protecting consumers. And it's certainly something that that all regulators and all jurisdictions are keeping keeping a close eye on. And um, the the regulator in the FCA fairly frequently issues dear CEO letters with um, you know guidance or. Uh, views on you know particular areas where you know they, they, they may perceive that there some firms are 
falling short or the industry needs to do more to protect uh, consumers. So it's it's certainly a balance. Are you seeing well, it? You think it's stable now? Like have they they've set in stone what they expect to see, what what's going what they're going to see versus what they expected, and it should just be moving forward. And um, there's there is there is lots of guidance um, on on the regulators' um, website that they publish, certainly in the UK, and uh, we've got the new consumer duty. Without getting too technical, that's come come in force this summer, and um, so so plenty of firms will be looking at what they need to do to comply with that. And that there are there's still a possibility that 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 by now pay later will become. Um, more regulated or, or subject to new regulation, which is, is still something being considered in the UK at, at the moment. So I, I think the spotlight will will still remain um, will still remain on these products uh, just to balance that risk of you know speed, innovation, and protecting protecting customers. Brilliant. Well, look, Fiona, Laura, thank you very much for coming on. Hopefully, um, people a little bit more know a fay with embedded finance. Um, is LinkedIn the best way to get hold of you if people would like to know a little bit more information about some of the things you're doing, how you might be able to help them? Yes, yes please. <laughs> 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 okay, well, obviously, it's Fiona Henderson, um, as in, well, well, Henderson, I suppose. I was trying to think, what, what's the most famous Henderson that's out there, Fiona? There must be a famous Henderson. Oh, gosh. Apart from I'm your mum. I'm trying to think. <laughs> You have to come back to me on that one. <laughs> and we got Laura Collins, not not um, not the other very famous Collins. She was an actress, wasn't she? Elizabeth Collins. No, you know who was Laura? No. Who was you know the act, the film star Collins? I I only got Phil Collins and Elizabeth. Phil Collins. Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> you're, not, you're not Phil's daughter, right, Laura? Not as far as I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, thank you ladies very much. Thank you, James. And um, really interesting. It'd be great to perhaps get you back early in the new year because I know you're working with a number of different companies. And as ever, super discreet lawyers, you can't possibly say into this in the public domain, but it'd be really interesting. Perhaps we'll catch up next year. Um, a $7 trillion market. It's, it's, a, it's a big market, which not many people are that aware of. But I think, um, you know, you are going to become more and more aware of it and start using the products, particularly for the, on the B2B side. I think that's particular interest because, you know, as someone that's run and been involved in smaller businesses for quite a few years, I know cash flow is always a problem. So any way to help small to medium-sized businesses um, is certainly going to be very welcome, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's the SMEs that drive most economies, employ most people and generate most taxes. But, uh, but thank you very much, and um, we will hopefully speak to you soon. Thanks again for having us. Good to speak.